from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to visit our ministry website, where you can find all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. It's all available online at djkm.org. If you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. Those words attributed to Joseph Goebbels, based on the ideas of Adolf Hitler, seem to ring true for us today. Throughout the history of our great nation, there have been many famous liars who have deceived the public. President Richard Nixon became almost synonymous with this after the Watergate scandal. He denied playing a role and even went so far as to publicly claim that he was innocent on national TV. But even though Nixon exclaimed, I am not a crook, a smoking gun audio tape later showed he was deeply complicit in the cover-up and he resigned in the face of almost certain impeachment. Another famous liar would be Charles Ponzi, the swindler from the 1920s who gained notoriety by scamming innocent investors out of millions of dollars with his pyramid scheme. But what all of these famous liars have in common is the fact that they will always be found out. There are many out there today who, while they may not be famous, are spreading lies and misinformation about the founders of our country. Many of them are in academia. They'll say that the founding fathers were nothing more than deists and that America was not built as a Christian nation. These people seek to destroy the Christian roots that this country was founded on by hiding the facts and distorting the truth. The fact is, if you want the truth about the founding fathers and their faith, all you have to do is look at the evidence. Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy in his classic message, The Biblical Basis of Our Constitution. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. In case you don't know, this is the great chapter that deals with the relationship of the individual to government, which of course is ordained by God. Chapter 13, verse 1, the inspired word of the living God. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. 
Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, he must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. And one text from the 33rd chapter of Isaiah, the 22nd verse. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. And may God speak to us through his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. Bishop Paul O'Brien said in a letter to the newspaper the following, quote, The United States was started by men we today would call pagans. They wrote a constitution without one word about God or Jesus in it. And in the amendments, they said that there should be no laws respecting the establishment of religion. This, too, is excluding God. End of quote. Well, maybe you're not familiar with Bishop Paul O'Brien, so let me introduce him to you further. He is a bishop in the Universal Life Church. You could become a bishop in the Universal Life Church. You first become a member by sending them $35. And then for just a little bit more, you can become a bishop. He actually is a engineer with a spark plug company, but he likes to call himself Bishop O'Brien. His obvious knowledge of American history is truly amazing, is it not? I suppose his knowledge of theology is comparable. Well, what shall we say? The tragedy is that there are millions of other Americans who go to all kinds of churches who believe that basically what he said is true. This country was not founded as a Christian country. We don't have a Christian constitution. The founders were not Christians, and therefore we should forget all about this Christian business. And Christians are perceived by them as some sort of aliens trying to obtrude their alien religion into this nice, happy, virtuous, secular country. Well, today I think it would do well for us to look at the facts, because unfortunately many people do not know the facts. Of the 55 men that met in Philadelphia for what has been called the miracle at Philadelphia, 50 of them were unquestionably Christians. Historians have researched their lives. Two possibly were, but they don't know enough about them. Only three could not reliably be called non-Christians. Over 20 of them were educated in theological seminaries. 
Does that sound like a group of pagans? Hardly at all. Well, let's take an official view of it. The United States Supreme Court, in the famous Trinity decision of 1892, examined all of the documents pertaining to the foundation of America and all of the monuments for all of those many years since the pilgrims first came and the nation was then founded. They spent not a half hour on each side as they do today, or even a day for each side, or a week or a month, or even a year. They spent 10 years examining every single document that has anything to do with the foundation of this country. And then they came to a unanimous decision. And in that decision, this is what they said. This is a religious people. This is historically true. From the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation. We find everywhere a clear recognition of the same truth. These and many other matters which might be noticed at a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. Amen. Now, people don't realize that the Christians did not want the federal government to run religion. That is precisely what they had fled in England, where the king ran the church and everything else. They wanted the church to be free from the federal government and that its authority would remain with the churches themselves and with the states. In fact, in 1787, when the Constitution was ratified, nine out of the 13 states had state religions. They were not opposed to such if it were the states. What they didn't want was a federal government-controlled religion. And that's why they left religion out of the discussions of the Constitution, which tells the way that the government is going to be run with each of the various parts thereof. Let's look at some of the principles of the Constitution, biblical principles that many people don't realize. First of all, it was a government by law. There hadn't been countries that had a, a single constitution that included all of these things before. Some had bits and pieces here and there. So the first thing we notice is that there is governance by law and not by man. This was not something where the king was the law or where some individuals controlled the government. It was a government by law, and that's what they gave us in the Constitution. Many of these 
principles have been so distorted in our time that they're hardly understood today. Samuel Rutherford wrote a great book about this time. It was entitled Lex Rex, and it flew right in the face of the dominant theory which had existed for centuries in England and other places, which was Rex Lex. Now, if your Latin is a little bit rusty, let me help you there. Lex Rex means law is king. That was Rutherford's book. He was a Christian. The king believed in Rex Lex. The king was law. What the king said was the law and could not be countermanded. It almost cost Rutherford his head. But it was widely read by the founders of our country who believed that it was law that should rule this nation. And therefore, they believed strongly in the law of God. In fact, James Madison, who is the chief architect of our Constitution, a very godly man, who, by the way, was from Virginia but did not go to William and Mary College in Virginia because of the liberalism that was seeping into that college. He went to Princeton and there sat under the influence of John Witherspoon, the only clergyman to sign the Declaration, a great theologian. James Madison, the architect of the Constitution, said this, we have staked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government, but upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Secondly, they gave us the principle that all men are created equal. They knew that the Bible said that God is not a respecter of persons. There were no nobility or lords or ladies. They were all the same. They were all citizens. Did you know that in England at this time they had a sort of democracy, but only about five or six percent of the men in England could vote because they just weren't equal enough to uh, be allowed that privilege. But America was distinctive in declaring that all men are created equal and endowed by their creators at Jefferson with inalienable rights. And the fact that we are all equal is a second principle that's taken from the Bible. And the fact that we have inalienable rights is the third. There were no inalienable rights in England, France, Germany, or anywhere else. But they were unique to this country, and they were taken right from the Scriptures. The commandments of God guarantee our rights as being from God and being inalienable. For example, is your property really your own? Well, according to the Bible, we are commanded not to steal. This is a guarantee of private property. What about the sanctity of life and our right to life? It is guaranteed by the commandment that says, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt do no murder. Fourthly, it's based our Constitution about the con upon the concept of liberty. Because the founders knew that the Bible said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, that we're commanded 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And when people had been made free from the shackles of sin by the Spirit of Christ, they then began to want civil liberty as well, and movements in that direction started everywhere. Fifth, they believe that man is sinful. James Madison, again, the writer of the Constitution, the principal one, said that there is a certain depravity about human beings that makes them not trustworthy and that we should keep our eye upon them. All of the other documents, humanistic documents everywhere, including the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, all said that man was basically good, and therefore they set out to create a utopia. But the founders of this country believed the Christian Bible that says that man is sinful, and therefore there are certain things that follow. One was a division of power because too much power in the hands of one or two or a few people was very dangerous. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they knew the scripture that we read today from Isaiah 33, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. Do you notice the tripartite division of our government there into the judiciary? the executive, the legislative branches, they're right there. All of that was done because the founders believed that we were sinful and that too much power could not be collected in the hands of too few. Furthermore, they believed that because of the sinfulness of man, that the powers of government must be limited and enumerated. The powers to the federal government, the rest remain with the states or the individuals. How many powers do you believe the Constitution gives to the federal government? You know, if you've been around for the last few decades, you would probably assume it's almost an infinite number. It seems no limit to the things that they will get involved in today. But the fact is there are precisely 20 powers enumerated for the federal government, and all else remains with the states or the individual people. But again, because of their belief in the biblical concept of the depravity of man, they thus divided them. How did they conclude? They concluded in this way, in the year of our Lord, 1787. Is there any question in anybody's mind about what Lord they were talking about? What other Lord would be anyway related to the year 1787? But that was from the birth of Jesus Christ. And so they acknowledged Him at the conclusion of our Constitution. And so we see from one end to the other, the American Constitution is based upon principles that our founders took from the Bible. That's why Newsweek could say that historians are discovering that the Bible, more than the Constitution, is really the foundational document of American society. Well, my friends, we're in danger of losing much or most of that today. It's time for Christians to get informed, to get active, and to try to restore 
the great constitutional privileges that we have received. One caveat. Ultimately, our trust cannot be in the Constitution. It may be the greatest document ever to come from the mind of uninspired man. But the only doctrine, the only teachings that come from the inspired penman of Almighty God is the Word of God. This is infallible. Did you ever think that unlike our Constitution, there is no process for amending this? It is perfect. It needs no amendments. It needs no Bill of Rights because it gives us whatever rights we have. It is the very Word of God, and that must ever be the foundation of our faith and our trust. But we can be thankful to God that men who believed precisely that took the principles of this Word and incorporated them into the greatest constitution that the world has ever seen, a constitution that is hated by many people in this country today who are doing everything in their power to dismantle it and remove all of its Christian values. And when they do that, I guarantee we will have no inalienable rights. And what the state gives, the state can take away. May we pray. Father, we thank Thee for these godly men who gave us this magnificent document that has blessed our country so greatly over the last several hundred years. We pray, Lord, that you will cause it to be sustained, that you will defend it against the machinations of wicked men that would try to destroy it or distort it, and that the liberties which it has granted, which we have from God, will be maintained. And Father, we pray that you will use each one of us to win others to thee, that the vast majority of people in this country may become godly and desire to support a godly document. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, Senior Pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. One of the blessings of our Constitution is the freedom of religion and the right to proclaim Christ freely in this nation. I hope that you are sharing your faith regularly, but you cannot introduce others to Jesus Christ if you don't know Him as your Savior and Lord. Do you? Have you placed your trust in Christ alone for your salvation? Do you know for certain that you have eternal life and that your sins have been paid for? If not, don't wait. We can go to God together in prayer right now. Simply pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me brand new. I want to know the full life that you have come to give so that I might know peace and joy and contentment. I place my trust in you right now and thank you for the free gift of eternal life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer, and if you did, we'd like to help you get started in your new life by sending you Beginning Again. 
This is the book that Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers. As you read it, you'll learn how to pray, how to read and study God's Word, even how to witness to others. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. And God bless you as you do. God blessed this country immensely with the writing of our Constitution. It is the foundation for our country, and the godly men who helped write it were essential to the success of our nation. But because its Christian origins are being denied, the freedoms it guarantees are being eroded. Despite a First Amendment that guarantees religious free exercise, Christians are hauled into court and ordered to comply with the judicially invented rights of same-sex marriage and abortion on demand. But what would America look like if we regained our Constitution and our freedoms? Well, we have a resource that we'll show you. It's a brand new book by veteran Washington journalist Robert Knight entitled, A Strong Constitution. What would America look like if we followed the law? In this book, you'll discover how our freedom has been eroded in everything from our economic decisions to our jobs to our families. And you'll discover a roadmap for restoring our constitutional freedoms. Our founders intended us to have a limited government, believing that less government equaled more freedom. But today, the government is the engine the left uses to drive every bit of their agenda, from abortion to same-sex marriage, from redistribution of wealth to socialized health care. It's urgent that you read this book and share it with others to discover where we went wrong and how we can regain our liberty. And we will send you a copy right away as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. Your contribution will enable us, among other things, to train future leaders in a firm constitutional worldview through our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Leadership, equipping them to attain leadership positions in local, state, and federal government where they can make an impact. And if you're able to give a donation of $40 or more, we'll also include Dr. D. James Kennedy's powerful, insightful message, The Bible and the Constitution, on DVD. In this message, Dr. Kennedy shows the unmistakable link between biblical Christianity and the development of America's Constitution, which made us the freest nation on earth. That's the new book, A Strong Constitution, What Would America Look Like If We Followed the Law by Robert Knight, as well as the DVD message, The Bible and the Constitution as our thanks for your generous donation of $40 or more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 
or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.